Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by the Wisconsin Hunter Education Program with the Wisconsin DNR, dnr dnr.wi.gov, and by the Open Season Sportsman's Expo, March 26th through the 28th, at Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells, OpenSeasonSportsmansExpo.com. I'm Dan Small. Jeff Kelm will join me shortly, and today we'll talk with Wisconsin Wildlife Federation Executive Director George Meyer, Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin Executive Director David Clutter, and snake expert Jason Clark. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Time now for the Madison Outdoors Report. You hear this special feature each and every week at this time on WTSO, the Big 1070. It's also streamed on demand on LakeLink and on our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, as uh, on, on uh, iHeartRadio and others as well. And joining us now is a fellow we haven't talked to in, at least I haven't talked to in a few years, but he's still really active on the ice in the Madison area, and that's Ice Team Pro staffer Jim Kasuda. Well, Jim, thanks for joining us. You bet, Dan. It's always a pleasure. Well, and it's good to talk to you again. And uh, you've been out a fair amount, I understand. Yeah, I started off the season on Cherokee because that was the only game in town, really. We didn't get a very good start to the winter, and then it was uh, <clears throat> tough to get any kind of main lake ice. But then I moved on to do some perch fishing uh, down on Caganza, and now I'm out on the big lake, Mendota. Mm-hmm. And are you doing all right on perch there? Yeah, actually, I've been really pleased. Uh, it's kind of challenging, but it can be really rewarding when you really, you know, lay into them good. Mm-hmm. Where are you finding them? I don't need a, a GPS point, but at what depth? <laughs> I wouldn't give it to you anyway. I know you wouldn't, yeah, but a lot of guys are sitting there ready to punch it in, you know. <laughs> fishing what's called as the West Basin, and if you look at a lake map of Lake Mendota, that whole area kind of in the Middleton and uh, west side of Madison from like Second Point and Fox Bluff, if you drew a line across there, everything west of there is known as the West Basin, and it's really a a big, um, you know, area, but it's kind of one of those traditional areas, and um, I, I... usually end up over here you know i I usually get on some fish and i have a hard time leaving them Uh uh-huh okay and you're finding them in deep water i presume yeah right now i've been fishing uh 66 feet of water on the vexilar flx 28 and uh actually i think that the area that i'm kind of gravitating towards is known for having that uh what Dave Gens calls the sticky bottom, and it's where there's a lot of little um, bugs and worms and things that the perch like to feed on. Uh huh. Okay. And are they near bottom or are they suspended? Surprisingly, they're they're not generally near bottom. There might be some smaller fish near the bottom, but most of the time, I have to have like my FLX 28 on 12 foot zoom because. Six foot zoom just isn't big enough. They're they're up ten feet quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And are they feeding there, or are they just suspending and kind of hanging out? Oh, I, I think they're feeding because I know that we've had an invasion of 
the spiny water flea, which is known to eat the native zooplankton. Yep. And we have zooplankton, pulcaria, and even the mendote, mendote strain of uh, zooplankton. But anyways, these things really feast on them. And it was just a few years ago that I was really depressed because the uh, water lice, you know, the zooplankton was down, but it's back strong as ever. And, and, you know, you can actually pick it up on the Vexilar. It's like a flicker when you crank your gain up. It's always like this little flickering going on. And, and that tells you that you're in a pretty good area. The fish are, they're always roaming around and they're looking for a place like that so they can kind of filter feed. Uh-huh. And when you catch a fish, especially a fish like a perch in deep water like that, uh, they usually have trouble if you try to release them, don't they? Oh, yeah. It's one of those old things that it's basically catch and kill. When you go out and fish in deep water, it's one of those things where whatever you get, you get. Mm -hmm. But um, one of my friends, Austin Rogatsky, I uh, watched him on a video segment, and he had a good point. He said that sometimes he pinches the hook down, and then he jerks his hanger rig up and down and sometimes can unhook a small fish before he actually brings it out of the deep water. Oh, okay. So you can tell you don't have a big one and then you just shake him loose. Oh, yeah. When you set the hook on a big one, it's just like anything. It just stays there. You it doesn't know. really move, but a little one gets pulled right up and he offers very little fight. Yeah, that's a great idea, actually. Uh, and, and what are they hitting? Are you a plastics guy? I've been using both plastics and live bait, mainly um, spikes, and then my go-to plastic right now is the uh, Mackie Plastic Bloody, and it's a bloodworm imitator. Mm. Okay, and fishing that with a tungsten jig or what? No, I'm kind of an old-school guy, Dan. I'm the old uh, rocker. I like to oh, have yeah. a... <laughs> the dot rocker. Dot. Yeah, the old dot rocker, and I, I actually have a place... Uh, Keeper lures in Illinois that makes them almost special for me, but I always pick them up whenever, whenever we get to go to a sports show, then I'll pick some more up. But uh, yeah, I love those jigs and I use them, you know, pretty much exclusively. I, I do quite well on, on rockers with spikes. Uh huh. You know, years ago I used a, uh, it's actually a jigging spoon called a Rembrandt. It was mostly a crappie spoon, kind of a flutter spoon, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, don't even know if that's still around or if people are using it. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the little atom baits, and it actually is still around. I know it's kind of, uh, as you described, it's a spoon with kind of a plastic sheath covering a portion of it. Yep, it's got a little boot, and the boot's different colors, you know, pink to red to purple, and uh, we really killed the crappies just below the ice with that on... on uh, uh, Kashkana many years ago. The guy oh, who, yeah, yeah. The guy who taught me has been long dead now, but he said, start up high, and if you got a sunny day, you actually create a reflection, a flashing reflection off the spoon on the surface, you know, the undersurface of the ice, and then you just, oh, you just gradually work it down, and uh, we caught fish. You know, I, I've only done it a few times, but that was years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I know it's really surprising to me what a fish will hit. It's mm. like that, and then the purist is kind of the little brother of that thing, and the pure purist doesn't even have a barb on the hook, 
and it just looks like a really tiny, like a, a spike that's kind of egged up or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think this warming trend now that we're enjoying here in Wisconsin is going to have a positive impact or any impact at all? Oh, yeah. I think it's really going to help out because one of the big things is just travel. I know, like, today I just went to the lake and kind of buzzed around and got out to deeper water because I'm planning to go out early in the morning and I don't want to run into any surprises, any um, impassable areas or, or new heaves. But, yeah, this warming trend will definitely knock down some of the snow cover. Mm-hmm. And that sh- and and the slush, I would imagine, will go with it. Uh, that was a, an issue for a few weeks. Oh yeah, the slush is definitely still out there. But as you know, the ice isn't like impermeable. There's cracks and holes, and yep. it'll just drain down. And as the snow cover breaks down and melts, it will lighten up the load, and the ice sheet will kind of rise slightly, and and will be will be high and dry as long as the uh, Ice safety remains good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we got about a minute left. Any advice for late season action? Well, I think the main thing is is ice safety always, but the the key is is just get out there because this winter is kind of funny. It was really slow in coming, and then we had that really brutal cold spell in February, and right now um, game fishing is only good for another week so i really think that the guys got to just get out and gals just got to get out and and enjoy mother nature Uh uh-huh i agree i agree well thank you so much for sharing your insights and uh, we'll catch up with you again um, and good luck when you get back out on the big lake i'll be there tomorrow morning dan (laughs) all right uh you got any seminars coming up or anything like that no, I did a Zoom meeting with the Hare Fishing Club in December, and I was really surprised they awarded me with the Pete Froland Award, which is our club's highest honor. Oh, nice, nice. Well, that, that uh, it's always a nice surprise when you get a, a recognition like that. Yeah, and the the thing that was good about my presentation is that I use a PowerPoint, and with it being a Zo- our first Zoom meeting, because we haven't had in-person meetings since last March, that I really was able to do a full seminar presentation, and people didn't just have to stare at my ugly face. They could look at my nice pictures. Watch all, look at all the pictures of you with those big perch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could almost taste them when I was frying them up. Oh, boy. Well, all right, Jim, thank you so much, and good luck to you as you get out there again. We'll keep in touch. Okay, Dan, thanks for having me. You bet. Ice Team Pro Staffer Jim Casuda with the Madison Outdoors Report. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Joining me again from Wisconsin Rapids is my partner Jeff Kelm. Well, Jeff, uh, it's warming up, and uh, I imagine you've been out a little bit. Yeah, I got out and enjoyed some time on the ice. Uh, I had to take uh, full advantage of a of a forty. I think it was forty seven when we got in the truck at one point. A forty seven degree day. Um, it was uh, it was gorgeous. I managed to get myself uh, my first sunburn for the year, um, mm-hmm. which is usually that's uh, I usually reserve that for March, but uh, I'll take it in February. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had we had a good time. I, I, again, exploring new lakes. Uh, mm-hmm. Went to one new lake and one uh, lake that we had not been to in about three years, and um, 
did did well at both lakes. Did better at the first lake, the new lake, new to us lake. Um, uh, went in search of panfish as we usually do, and uh, found uh, found a batch of fish under some fresh snow. They, were, they had a they had a fishery at this lake uh, this last weekend, and um, they you could see where everybody had fished and drove and and all of that and. Yeah. So we found ourselves a patch that wasn't drilled out, and oh. sure enough, there was fish there. It's weird how that yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, cool. And I understand you've got a buyer for our last uh, Jiffy E6 ice auger. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, had contacted me, said, hey, you still got one? I said, we got one left. And yeah. uh, so the last one is out the door. Great. Well, that's good, and uh, we don't know what next season looks like, but who knows? We may have more next season. Absolutely. Well, that wolf season didn't last very long, did it? <laughs> it did not. You know, everybody expecting 200 tags, then it was really 119 tags. Yep. Yep. Um, and and I think everybody expected that to be filled pretty quickly. Uh, three days, something like that, uh, yep. ended on yep. Wednesday. So. Yep, yep. And, you know, um, my thought on it, uh, one person told me she thought that there was probably a lot of houndsmen. Mm-hmm. I don't know that for a fact. I haven't heard how people got them, but yeah. uh, a friend of Lauren, uh, Lauren Voss has got one. I know he shot it. That's all I know. But either there are a lot more wolves than we think, or they're pretty easy to shoot or trap. Yeah. Or all these people with the tags are very skillful. And I can't really go with the latter because, um, you know, it's a random draw. So, right. you know, if I got one, I'd be <clears throat> very happy to. Uh, you know, to try to call one in or to go with somebody who knows what the heck he's doing. So it'll be very interesting to see what the uh, what the report is on how they were taken. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, we announced this last week, but just to remind folks, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Sports Show, which had been moved to April 15th through the 18th, it has been canceled. There will be no sports show this year. There is, however, as of now, the Open Season Sportsman's Expo, in the Dells, this is the old Deer and Turkey Expo and Outdoor Life Field and Stream Expo. And as of now, I'm planning to be there, and I should have copies of Outdoor News there as well. And possibly, I'm still working this out, but possibly some of those four-play turkey calls if people want to try them out and, and maybe buy one with a show special. So more on that as we get closer. <clears throat> Well, the uh, talk, talking to uh, three different folks uh, this week, as usual, coming up, Wisconsin Wildlife Federation Executive Director George Meyer talks about his upcoming retirement and his replacement. Folks may have seen this announcement. Mark LaBarbera, our good friend and regular guest on the show, will be the new Executive Director of the Wildlife Federation. Uh, David Clutter, who is the Executive Director of the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin, He's going to talk about the Cherish Wisconsin Outdoors Fund, which is where you have an opportunity to make a small contribution to help support natural resources management when you renew your license. I usually do it uh, with each tag or license I buy, and he'll tell us how to do that. And speaking of the Open Season Sportsman's Expo in the Dells, we'll kick things off with one of the speakers there, Jason Clark. He's a snake expert. And he's got a seminar that is um, <laughs> very captivating with live snakes. So you tell us all about that. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. For the nonprofit Rough Grouse Society, the well-being of the rough grouse and American woodcock is a special priority. 
But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Rough Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Attention future hunters, hunting season for turkey, small game, and deer is right around the corner. Don't wait to think about hunter education. The time to enroll is now. The Wisconsin DNR offers several options to choose from, making it easier than ever to enroll. Just browse for upcoming youth or adult hunter education classes at gowild.wi.gov and join the ranks of today's hunter education graduates who are ensuring the safe future of our hunting heritage. Classes fill up quickly, so don't wait. Enroll today. A message from Wisconsin DNR. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Outdoor Expo, formerly called the Deer and Turkey Expo, and then the Outdoor Life Field and Stream Expo, has a new name and, for this year, a new location. It's now the Open Season Sportsman's Expo. It's usually held at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, as everybody knows, but this year it'll be held March 26th through the 28th at Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. And you can learn more at OpenSeasonSportsmansExpo.com. And joining us now is Jason Clark. He um, he utilizes venomous and non-venomous snakes of the southeastern U.S. in his programs. He's a nationally recognized reptile handler. He's had more than 30 years of wildlife experience. He's a certified master naturalist through the University of Georgia. He does many hours of wildlife education every year, and he has a live presentation with live snakes that I'm told is like no other, and I'm looking forward to it. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, Dan. Well, how did you get interested in snakes? Disobeying my parents. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Basically, you know, I mean, I was taught, like a lot of kids are, that, you know, snakes will hurt you, and, you know, rightly so, I'm... (laughs) Snake can hurt you, but I was just told, you know, don't pick it up, don't touch them, you'll be fine, and that's that's good advice. But I didn't really listen to that, and uh, I, I don't know why I like snakes. I just I just did. I just liked them, uh-huh. and uh, but I didn't really know anything about them to be honest with you. I just I liked snakes from the time I was you know uh, in like kindergarten or first grade that I can remember. Interesting. You know, when I was a kid, uh, my brothers and I uh, collected snakes. We didn't have any venomous snakes in uh, western New York. I think there might have been some copperheads. We always looked for them in the, in, yeah. the, in the hills and that, but we never found one. But we had milk snakes and garter snakes and gra- uh, green snakes and a few others. Uh, my grandmother wouldn't go in the garage for the reason you can imagine. And uh, <laughs> uh, But we, you know, we, we enjoyed them for many years. Um but you've made a career of it. Yeah, 
I never intended to make a career of it. Uh, one thing just kind of led to another, and this is where I've ended up. Mm-hmm. I've just always done it for fun, and I still do it for fun, you know. But uh, but now it uh, kind of pays the bills a little bit, <laughs> which I'm not going to complain about. But yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, you you operate something called Southeastern Reptile Rescue, and folks, his website is Snakes Are Us, and that's spelled out A R E Snakes Are Us dot com. Um, well, Jason, tell us about the uh, reptile rescue. Well, you know, it all kind of started uh, just with you know when once people realize that I like snakes, and they you know uh, have a snake show up in their yard. They, uh, they knew I wasn't afraid of it, so they'd call me to come catch the snake. And that's uh-huh. kind of how it started. Uh-huh. And then uh, I got on call for 911. Uh, 911 would page me, and I would go out and respond uh, along with the sheriff's department to get snakes out of people's houses and yards. Now, I was only 14 years old when that happened. Wow. But uh, 911 didn't know I was 14. Because uh-huh. I, I told them I was a snake expert, and they believed it. <laughs> so uh, this, I kind of got into doing that. And uh, then I got a whole you know, collection of animals. And then once I had all these reptiles, people would say, hey, you know, we're having a fall festival. Uh, you know, would you come over here and bring your animals and let the kids see them? Mm-hmm. And we'll pay you. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the first time I got paid. I, I was, I mean, I was, uh, I don't even know how old I was, 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. And they paid me, I think, $15, and I was ecstatic. I can't believe they were giving me money to let them see my animals, you know? Yeah. And it was just, just amazing. And, um, you know, so but but then we started doing the rescue aspect of it because once people found out that we would catch your snakes, they'd say, "Well, we have this pet snake, we can't take care of it anymore. Sure. Can you take it?" Well, you know, that was a no-brainer. Of course, I'll take a, you know, your pet snake, and I don't, I don't have to go buy one. I have a free pet snake. Mm-hmm. But over the years, what I kind of found was is you can't keep everything you take. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I want to keep them all, but but you can't do that because once you take in so many animals, you get overwhelmed yourself and then the animal ends up in worse condition than before it came to you uh-huh. so we try to start to figure out ways to you know adopt these animals out and we've changed things a lot over the years and kind of what we found that works for us now is we have an adoption process through our website so just say you have a pet boa constrictor okay mm-hmm. well you go to the website and you fill out a reptile donation form and you submit it. And it, you know, it has all kind of questions about the snake and everything. And so then we take that. Now, if I have room to take the snake in, then I can take it and we can put it in our facility. But we try not to do that. And I'll tell you why in a minute. So then what we do is once we have that donation form, then I go to my adoption forms for people who have already filled out adoption forms looking to adopt the snake. Mm-hmm. If they just put on there, well, I want to adopt a snake, well, that application is automatically denied. Because I want to know specifically what species you're looking for and how are you going to care for this species. Mm-hmm. Now, once we have that and it's approved, then we just kind of let those people exchange information. So we don't even actually take the snake. Uh-huh. And we don't get any revenue for any of that. We're just helping find that snake at home. Sure. And now what that does is that keeps the caging for rescued animals at our facility, keeps them open. And that way when there's a, a tragic incident, an arrest, or, or anything crazy that happens to where the snake has to go somewhere right now, then we have a cage open for that animal. Uh-huh. 
Very good. Yeah. Now, you have uh, something you uh, travel aw- uh, around with called the, uh, what's it called? i got to go back to your page here. Um, You're talking about our reptile wagon, the, reptile, the big trailer? Yeah, the reptile wagon. Yeah. Yeah, I have that. I won't be bringing that on this trip with me, but that's it's a really cool thing. It's a 32 foot trailer, mm. and it's got a ramp that lets down the back and a ramp at the front. So you you just walk through this exhibit, and it's got uh, 20 cages in there, and so. Um, we have all kinds of stuff in there. We have rattlesnakes and cobras and gaboon vipers and alligators and all kinds of stuff you can go through and, and see, set up and read about. And then outside of that, we have a tortoise yard that we set up. So when you exit the exhibit, you're entering the tortoise in, the, 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 the tortoise exhibit sure. where you get to interact with the tortoises. And then we have you know snakes and alligators out that people can kind of come by and pet and that kind of stuff. Nice. So uh, that that's definitely a lot of fun for people. So what are you going to be doing at the Open Season Expo? What we're going to be doing here is, uh, you know, they, they usually have guest speakers and seminars that people do. Yep. So that's what I'll be doing. Um, I don't know how many times a day I'm scheduled, but um, they'll have a schedule posted and uh, they'll have me speaking. And, yeah, we're going to have some live animals with us. I don't have a list exactly of what I'm going to bring yet. I'm going to... I'm going to think about that and bring some really cool stuff. But, but you know, years ago when uh, someone asked me to do this, my biggest fear was public speaking. Really? You know, not, oh, yeah. I mean, I can pick up a rattlesnake all day. That doesn't bother me. But you asked me to speak to more than three or four people at a time, and that uh, I don't like that a bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I was talking about something I enjoy talking about. And then over the years, I kind of got to where I really enjoy. I really enjoy getting in front of a crowd. And to me, the bigger the crowd, the more I get into it. Uh-huh. Because, you know, I, I kind of feed off the audience's energy. And I, I really enjoy interacting with the audience. I mean, I, I really have a lot of fun doing that. And so, uh, so that's what I'm hoping to do when, when, I, when I come visit you guys. Cool. Well, we are looking forward to your your uh, seminar and to meeting you here. You'll uh, will you have a booth here as well? Yeah, I think we're going to have a booth set up, and uh, you know we'll have some of our shirts and some merchandise and stuff for sale, yeah. and yeah. Uh, we'll, we may even have an animal out there at our at our booth in between the shows. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I like your T-shirt. Um, what did it say? Something like... Uh, uh, preserving nature, one snake at a time. The one snake at a time part. <laughs> yep, yep. I appreciate that. So, Well, Jason, yes, thanks so much for uh, getting us all fired up about snakes. Um, I know some people have aversions to um, the critters, and I'm sure you'll have well, a lot of... Well, those are the people I want in the show. Good. Those are the people I want there, you know, because that's what our show's about. It's about taking the things people think they know about snakes mm-hmm. and we kind of blow it apart mm-hmm. you know but we do it kind of in a funny way you know <laughs> but 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 when people leave it hey, whether you like snakes or whether you love them you're going to leave with it with a completely different view than what you came in with at least that's what i'm hoping for excellent 
Well, I'm looking forward to it. So thanks so much for taking the time to tell us about what you do and your presentation. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. You bet. Jason Clark is with the Southeastern Reptile Rescue, and he will be at the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells for the Open Season Sportsman's Expo, held March 26th through the 28th. You can learn more at OpenSeasonSportsmansExpo.com and more on Jason and what he does at snakesareus.com. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. If you're ever in a car or motorcycle accident and need help, call Hupe and Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best, Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit Hupe.com. And by the way, all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham are open for business if you need their help. Well, joining us now from Madison is David Clutter. He's the executive director of the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin. Their website is wisconservation.org. Well, David, thanks for joining us. Well, Dan, thanks for having me. Now, we have had um, former executive directors on before and and some of your program people, but for a lot of listeners, um, this may be a, a new organization as far as their concern. So tell us, uh, kind of in a nutshell, what is the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin? What do you do? Yeah, of course. Well, thank you, Dan, uh, for having me. And, uh, you know, the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin is a, you know, nonprofit conservation organization. We were founded in 1986 and founded really to provide sustainable funding for Wisconsin's most imperiled species in public lands. We were also founded to, you know, connect people to the natural world. And, you know, as an organization, we're kind of unique in one that we were kind of born out of the DNR uh, in the 80s when, you know, state budgets were really declining. DNR leadership really, you know, identified a need for additional revenue, you know, to support, uh, you know, DNR programs, land management, and so on. So so the foundation was created at that time for that purpose. Uh, as we evolved as an organization, you know, we are kind of unique uh, in that um, we function not just as a nonprofit conservation organization, but also as a foundation for conservation here in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, set up permanent endowed funds to support things like land management, restoration, and recreation. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned before, we also connect people to the land, and we do that by, you know, convening conservation partners, by supporting environmental education around the state, and, and so on. And we have about 5,000 members, so we are a membership organization, and we invest roughly, you know, a million dollars annually in on the ground conservation and educational efforts around the state. Uh Uh-huh. Where does that money come from? Well, most of that money actually comes from private uh, folks, uh, like many of your listeners, uh, like you and me. Um, 
donations, you know, all donations made to the foundation, uh, you know, are tax deductible. So, you know, we're a typical 501c3 in that sense. Um, we do, however, uh, I told you we were in, unique and it, it, it continues because we are a grantee. We do have grant making programs where we support different projects uh, uh, throughout the state. And I mm-hmm. think we gave out, you know, 260 grants or so last year. But we're also a uh, grantee. Uh, so we're a grantor in that we give grants out, but we're a grantee in that we also write grants to foundations, you know, inside and outside the state and create pass-through funds that support uh, land management and other conservation and education initiatives. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, you, you broker uh, money that might be looking for a a good conservation project good to home. support. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's the one thing that uh, I think is exciting about our work is that, you know, with Kate Williamson and other folks on staff, you know, we're really able to work with the DNR, work with other conservation experts around the state to identify, you know, what are the priorities, where is investment needed, and then, you know, we we go about trying to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some of the grants you funded? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, we've, <laughs> we have a Bassadney small grants program where the, you know, maximum grants are about $2,000. So those can go to, you know, everything to nature centers, to managing, you know, state natural areas, um, you know, to doing species recovery efforts and everything in between. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, we cast a pretty broad net. Okay. And then groups can apply for these, I presume. Yeah, that's right. That's right, indeed. Okay. Well, one of the um, things, uh, funds, that we know uh, about as hunters and anglers and uh, ATV uh, drivers and boaters and other folks who use the Go Wild system is the Cherish Fund. Uh, Some people may just click through that and say, nah, I don't want to do that. But what is the Cherish Fund, and and, uh, how can people contribute? Yeah, well, you know, the, the Cherish Fund is um, it's an endowed fund. Uh, so it was created in 2012 by an act of the Wisconsin State Legislature. So this this is a slightly different animal than most of our other funds. Currently, we have about 106 endowed funds that we hold. Most of those are established by individuals. Mm-hmm. This this fund was established as an act of the state legislature, and what it does is uh, ultimately provides a permanent source of funding to, you know, help manage and care for our public lands. Uh-huh. Uh, and and for, for many folks that, that aren't familiar with the idea of an endowment, an endowment is simply just a donation of money. Uh, but that is set up as a permanent fund, that those dollars are invested. And then the uh, the investment income off those uh, endowments go to the purpose of that fund. Uh-huh. Um, and we try to keep the principal amount intact. Uh, in the case of, of Cherish, um, it's kind of exciting because, you know, this, this fund was created in 2012 to sort of address these unmet habitat improvement needs. Um, but it's grown to be about a million dollars. Wow. So, you know, when we're looking at, say, growth of, uh, you know, we shoot for like 6%, 6 to 7% growth, but then we we use about 45 to 5% of that investment um, earnings, and that's the amount of money that goes on the ground for habitat improvement. 
Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, I mentioned go wild. So people are going to be buying new fishing and uh, conservation patron and sports licenses very soon because they expire, I believe, the end of March. Um, right. This is when they would have an opportunity to donate, right? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. The DNR's Go Wild system uh, donations can be made uh, through that system, and it, basically, when you, you know you buy your hunting license or your fishing license, trapping license, whatever it might be, you have the opportunity to provide a two dollar or greater donation to the Cherish Outdoor uh, Recreation Fund, mm-hmm. um, or the Cherish Wisconsin Outdoors Fund. I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, of the roughly 4 million uh, uh, folks who are uh, trying to, you know, secure a license or otherwise here in the state of Wisconsin, about 1% hmm. uh, gives to this fund. So, you know, since 2012, with 1% of folks giving, you know, we built this fund to a million dollars, and that's, you know, that money is being used to enhance habitat, uh, you know, for wildlife, both for game and non-game species. So it's, it's just a really important fund. The other way that folks can give to uh, the Cherish Outdoor or the Cherish Fund is uh, at cherishwisconsin.org. Uh-huh. And uh, so you could give online that way. Um, you know, the other way is if folks want to send a check, they can certainly do that as well to the Cherish Wisconsin Outdoors Fund. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, I can I can provide a PO box uh, address if, if uh, you'd like to do that or post that uh, elsewhere. Is that on your website? It should be on the west yeah. on the website. Yeah, okay. it was conservation dot org. Right. Okay. Well, before we let you go, uh, why should I contribute two dollars or more when I'm already buying a license and I know yep. that some of that money goes to support habitat? Well, yeah. You know, I, I think. Uh, you know, as many of your your listeners know, right? We, you know, state land is very important uh, for access for hunting, fishing, trapping, cross country skiing, and so on. Uh, but particularly in you know fire dependent communities like in Southwest Wisconsin, you know where there are oak savannas, it's not as if we can just buy land and lock it up and say, okay, there it is, and it's going to provide you know habitat and it's going to do all the things that it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of these communities do need to be managed. We do need to you know open up woods and create more oak savanna habitat for key species. We need to use fire as a tool, and so the Cherish Outdoor Fund really helps us achieve those management goals, which improves habitat for a number of key species uh, here throughout the state. Okay. Well, and uh, before we went on air, you and I talked briefly about field trips. You, In a good year, you you folks host almost 300 field trips, but you've really cut those back because of COVID this year, haven't you? Yeah, yeah it, it's been tough. Um, you know, and folks during COVID, and you and I, I'm sure, and, and, and your listeners, you know, we've all been using, you know, state lands and trying to get out as much as possible, considering we're all cooped up. Uh, we were hoping to provide a, a very robust program, but obviously with the, you know, distancing protocols and so on, it's made it a bit challenging. But uh, this year, you know, we're still offering about 160 field trips. Uh, in a typical year, like you said, it's about 280 with about 20 participants. This year, we're cutting participants in half. We're 
encouraging mask wearing, all that good stuff mm-hmm. uh, to keep people safe. But, um, you know, it's, it's still an opportunity. Unfortunately, this year, you know, we're just not going to be able to open as many trips as we have in the past. But, you know, let's get through 2021, and then I'm sure 2022 is going to be uh, presumably more normal than, than uh, the last couple of years. I certainly hope so. Well, David, thanks so much for... Uh, sharing that information, we will send people to your two websites and uh, hope that they either make a donation when they buy a license. That's the easiest way. I, I usually do. If I buy extra turkey tags, I tag on another two bucks each time, and, you know, it doesn't hurt at all. Well, thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. You bet. David Clutter is the executive director of the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin. Their website is wisconservation.org, and the Cherish Wisconsin Outdoor Fund, we've been talking about has its own website as well cherishwisconsin.org and of course when you renew your license in the next month or so you can make a donation there's an opportunity there in the go wild uh, app so uh, you'll you'll see it it'll pop up absolutely well this is brought to you by Hupe and Abraham named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year the firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients call the firm voted best and rated best if you need help. Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678 or visit hupe.com. And all 11 offices in Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin are open for business. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Recently rebranded Open Season Sportsman's Expo, formerly Outdoor Life Field and Stream Expo Series, moved locations to the Wisconsin Dells March 26th through 28th at the Kalahari Resorts and Conventions. Come see the latest products, gear, and equipment for hunting, fishing, and outdoor enthusiasts. Meet industry insiders, attend an educational seminar, test the newest products, and shop show only pricing. Kids under 12 free. Save with advanced tickets at OpenSeasonSportsmansExpo.com. Attention future hunters. Hunting season for turkey, small game, and deer is right around the corner. Don't wait to think about hunter education. The time to enroll is now. The Wisconsin DNR offers several options to choose from, making it easier than ever to enroll. Just browse for upcoming youth or adult hunter education classes at gowild.wi.gov and join the ranks of today's hunter education graduates who are ensuring the safe future of our hunting heritage. Classes fill up quickly, so don't wait. Enroll today. A message from Wisconsin DNR. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. And joining me now is a man who's very familiar to Wisconsin's outdoor community and someone who's had a long and influential career in conservation, George Meyer. Back in the late 1980s, George was administrator of the Enforcement Division for DNR and the lead uh, attorney who helped negotiate the hunting and fishing agreements between or among Wisconsin, the federal government, and Wisconsin's Ojibwe tribes. Later, he became secretary of the Department of Natural Resources, and most recently, and I understand for 
18 years now, he's been executive director of the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation. He was named to the Wisconsin Conservation Hall of Fame in 2017, alongside such notables as John Muir, Aldo Leopold, Sigurd Olson, Gordon McCory, and Gaylord Nelson. He says he plans to retire soon, and then what? Well, we'll ask him. Well, George, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dan. Uh, you know, I've, you and I have known each other for a long time, and, and gosh, the uh, Conservation Hall of Fame, that was a few years ago, but wow, what a group to be associated with, huh? It is. I'm honored, obviously. I don't, I'm not on the same level as some of those people, but just an honor being uh, in the same hall as, as they are. Well, and I think it's a recognition of uh, what you've done. You've accomplished a lot in your career, and now that you're going to be retiring. Do you have any immediate plans? You're not going to take another job right away, are you? No, I failed at retirement a couple times, but <laughs> this time it's for real. <laughs> okay. But, you know, looking ahead, we had our uh, first grandchild about 18 months ago, and uh, the young man needs a, a lot of activity outdoors after COVID, so uh, that's why we're going to dedicate our time do some traveling. My wife and I haven't always had a lot of time together, and uh, eventually do some writing. Well, good. Good for you. Now, looking back <clears throat> on your career in conservation, um, what are some of the the things you're most proud of that you that you've accomplished, or that has been done, you know, with your help under your leadership? Well, it's been a remarkable opportunity over the last fifty years. I think. Uh, I had DNR, I was working with really outstanding individuals, and uh, the public in Wisconsin is so conservation-minded, we were able to uh, get a great deal done. had the honor of um, helping purchase over 150,000 acres of public land, instituted strong protections for wetlands, uh, created some major cleanup programs from legacy pollution, uh, help get involved in smart growth program so uh, uh, habitat could be protected. Mm -hmm. So that's, I really enjoyed that. Obviously, I've been able to carry on a lot of those uh, or important activities uh, with the Wildlife Federation. Uh -huh. And for folks who aren't familiar with the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, what is it and what does it do? Well, the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation is, represents sports men and women. Uh, when I started, we had 79 sports clubs in the organization. We expanded that to now over 200. Uh, we're involved in a lot of education programs. We started a new program to develop the next generation of conservation leaders, uh, our ninth year of that. Uh, we have uh, about 15 scholarships to UW Stevens Point. We've started uh, some programs for outdoor skills uh, through our clubs. Uh, so we do a lot of conservation education. The other thing we do in, over the last 18 years become a major force as advocates for Wisconsin sportsmen and in the halls of uh, the capitals, both in uh, Madison and in Washington, and fighting for things such as the Federal Land and Water Conservation Fund, the State Stewardship Fund, uh, 
fighting against bad legislation, such as uh, when, in fact, there's been attempted raids on a fish and wildlife account, and uh, uh, there was a plan to uh, remove a million acres from protection. And obviously all of the wide range of hunting, fishing, and trapping issues. Uh, we've been uh, a leader on over the, the last uh, couple decades. Mm -hmm. And people may be familiar with the National Wildlife Federation. Uh, is Wisconsin Wildlife Federation affiliated with the national organization? Yes, we are. And uh, they have a... Uh, affiliates in every state. In some states, there are what you think of as environmental groups, really uh, green-type groups. And then many of the affiliates um, are sort of the blaze-orange groups, if you will, uh, like we are, hunting and fishing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, in, you know, a lot of interest. Uh, public lands, clean water, clean air, uh, protecting the wildlife species, uh, you know, and uh, sound management of them. So uh, together, those uh, fifty-some groups have had a major impact in Washington on federal conservation policy. Now there have been a lot of um, there have been some milestones that we've uh, achieved uh, uh, recently, but there's still some challenges ahead. What what do you see as major? natural resources challenging, especially challenging us here in Wisconsin and, and maybe nationally? Well, and one that cuts both way at both places is wildlife is under uh, increasing pressure. pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a large number of wildlife species that are diminishing, some substantially, uh, and we're supporting an effort uh, to get major funding for non-game species for habitat, Recovering America's Wildlife Act. And sportsmen uh, support that because it's a great thing to do conservation-wise. But we also recognize that if you improve habitat for non-game species, it's also habitat for game species. Mm -hmm. uh, especially on the federal level, there's been attacks on public land, and we've been uh, fighting on those, and many of our citizens, sportsmen or not, uh, use those public lands. Uh, so we've got diminishing habitat at times. Water quality still is, we've not achieved the, uh, the goals that the Clean Water Act established in, in the early 70s, uh, and there's still a lot of runoff, uh, creating algae and uh, invasive plants in our lakes. We're concerned about that. And also the major one is climate change and uh, the impact that has had on uh, habitat in the state and also species. Uh, so those are some of the major challenges. What is positive, though, is, and I would say the, one of the most uh, uh, positive things I've had recognizing over the last uh, 50 years is the strong support for conservation by average citizens in this state. And the politics at times in the, in the capitals hasn't always been good, and there's been a lot of politicians that sometimes haven't recognized uh, the strong support average citizens have. But in the long run, Wisconsin citizens, both those are sports men and women and not, still are strong supporters of clean water, of wildlife, 
uh, and uh, and that's what's been the backbone of conservation in in this state for its whole history. And you mentioned people in the Conservation Hall of Fame. Many of them were leaders in helping create that uh, broad public support over the years. Absolutely. Um, and now that you're going to be retiring, you've just uh, this week announced the hiring of my good friend Mark LaBarbera as your replacement. Um, I, I imagine you feel pretty confident handing off the reins to Mark. I do, and the board of directors uh, voted uh, on Saturday to uh, hire Mark. Uh, and as you know and uh, your listeners, uh, Mark has a long career in conservation, avid sportsman, but just a, uh, been involved in major youth edu- conservation education programs. And what I really like is uh, I, and he will take the Wildlife Federation at new levels. He's an outstanding communicator and uh, involved in conservation communications, and that is critically important these days. Uh, he's also uh, has a lot of experience in fundraising yep. for conservation, yep. and our organization needs that as many many other do uh, because of the impact of COVID and whatever, but also for the public uh fundraising for many of those kinds of public efforts. And if folks want to contribute or uh, have their club join if they uh, are not already members, um, that information is on your website, correct? Yes, it is. Very simply, org. WIWF.org. Well, George, uh, we got to let you go here, but um, we wish you the best in your retirement, and I'm sure you'll spend a lot of time outdoors with that new grandson. I sure will, and thank you for having me, Dan. You bet. Thank you. George Meyer, soon to be retiring as the executive director of the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Recently rebranded Open Season Sportsman's Expo, formerly Outdoor Life Field and Stream Expo Series, moved locations to the Wisconsin Dells March 26th through 28th at the Kalahari Resorts and Conventions. Come see the latest products, gear, and equipment for hunting, fishing, and outdoor enthusiasts. Meet industry insiders, attend an educational seminar, test the newest products, and shop show only pricing. Kids under 12 free. Save with advanced tickets at OpenSeasonSportsman'sExpo.com. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the ruffed grouse and American woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN. RGS. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. 
Attention landowner, the Conservation Reserve Program, CRP, is now open. CRP is a great alternative for low-yielding acres to improve farm profitability, deliver high-quality wildlife habitat, cleaner water, and healthier soils. The CRP sign-up is going on right now through February 12th. Find a local Pheasants Forever biologist at pheasantsforever.org slash CRP or visit your local USDA service center. Farm the best, CRP the rest. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Outdoors Radio is brought to you by the Wisconsin Hunter Education Program with the Wisconsin DNR, DNR dnr.wi.gov, by the Open Season Sportsman's Expo, March 26th through the 28th at Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells, OpenSeasonSportsmansExpo.com and by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at CedarLakeSales.com. Cedar Lake Sales is open for business. Check their website or Facebook page for updates and details. They are ready to serve you here this spring. They certainly are. And uh, Tracy from Cedar Lake reminded me that the Crestliner rebates end this weekend. So if you're looking for a Big kickback on a new Crestliner boat. You got through Sunday to do that. Uh, but there's still time to buy a new boat from them, whether it's a Crestliner or something else. They have great deals and more boats coming in every week. And if you missed an episode of Outdoor Wisconsin or Deer Hunt Wisconsin, you can watch any show from the past several seasons at milwaukeepbs.org. You can also find it on pbswisconsin.org. And the Deer Show is on our Deer Hunt Wisconsin YouTube channel. If you missed anything on today's show, you can hear us online all the time. You go to lake-link.com, go to their outdoor radio page, you can click on our show, and uh, and you'll be able to listen to uh, this show, past shows up to about a year. You can download them and take them with you wherever you go. And if you have a business and would like to reach thousands of outdoors enthusiasts with your message, Why not try advertising with the highest-rated outdoor show in Wisconsin? That's us, Outdoors Radio. To learn more, send me an email, dsoradio at gmail.com, or just leave a message at 414-297-7554. You can also send us your show comments or suggestions for folks you'd like to hear coming up. Well, we've been talking about it, but it's getting closer. The Capital City Muskies, Inc. Muskie University is online this year. Their Facebook page has information on it. There are three sessions with three seminars each day, March 20th and 27th and April 3rd. And I'm teaching a fly fishing seminar on April 3rd. Pre-registration is required. There's a small fee to cover the Zoom costs and a live chat with each presenter following the seminars. CapitalCityMuskiesInc.org is where you sign up. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at WarrenNelson.com. And you can buy his CD, Anglin' Wayne and the Trollers, with our two theme songs, You Get a Line and Trolling Home to You, and some other great songs, including the Bullhead Waltz, or the Tackle Box Waltz, and the Bullhead, maybe Bullhead Polka, I don't know, some great tunes on there. Anyway, I'm Dan Small, here with Jeff Kelm. Get outside this weekend. And join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. You've been listening to Outdoors Radio, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Find more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Brought to you by Lakeland, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. When the cool
swallows the moose's nose and the heron is fishing on one cold leg when the loon cries lover in the blue north wind I'll be trolling home to you When my wrist gets a little chilly On the gunnel When my lazy Ike is just too lazy to lure When the worms go dry Can, honey, 